Let's begin by looking at our scripture texts for this morning. We're going to be looking at two different brief passages. Uh, The first one from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. If you're looking that up in your pew Bibles, that's found on page 72, but the words will be on the screen behind me. Again, from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. In the Ten Commandments, we hear this fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or, the, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We're going to read a very similar text moving forward to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Here we'll look at verses 12 through 15, page 177 in your pew Bibles. Also in the Ten Commandments, we read, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you up out from there for, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you're a regular attender, you'll know that uh, for several weeks we've been doing a shortened sermon series, a topical series on work. And I promised when I did that series that it's going to be divided into two sections. That we would do three sermons more on the negative aspect of work, and we've done that. We've seen how work can, in the end, feel so very meaningless. That we can dedicate so much of our times and life to something that, in the end, we have to pass off to somebody else who may completely waste it or pass it to nobody at all and wonder what happens with our achievements. We've seen how, while we were created to work, that with the fall came the curse of that work. And that has affected every area of our work, that our work is full of frustrations and difficulties in our exercise of it. And then we saw last time on the warnings against idleness, that temptation to just sit back and remove yourself from work, but realizing that work is necessary to achieve anything. And we can't be idle in this world. But now, having looked at those things, we're going to shift a little bit to our next three sermons on the more positive aspects of work, or more accurately, 
What I hope to do over these next three weeks is to explain how having a relationship with God affects our relationship and understanding of work in a positive way. And part of that question is, which defines us more? Our relationship with God or our relationship with work? What is more fundamental to your identity? And I ask that question because, again, as we began this whole sermon series with, think about how much time and effort is consumed of our lives with work. We spend so much of our time working. We spend so much of our mental space worrying about those to-do lists and uh, all of the things that have to be taken care of. We worry about our schedules. We worry about our salaries or our pay rate. We worry uh, how we're going to be perceived by those who are watching our work. Do they see us as an idler or do they see us as diligent and working hard? And some people even have their very names tied into their work. Pastor Dave, Teacher Jen, Nurse Carla, Officer Carl, Farmer John, Mom. Work takes so much of our life. Work takes so much of our attention. Work says a lot about who we are, and because of that, so much of our identities can quickly be consumed by our employment. But that's not the way that things are supposed to be. Instead of being identified in our work and as workers, we need to be more closely identified in our walk with the Lord and in the roles that we were created to have. And Sabbath rest is commanded in the fourth commandment reminds us of this. Now, I want to start with the idea that there was so much that I could say about this, and I struggled all week long figuring out where we can go. I, I was mentioning to Pastor Brent this morning, one of the books that I was reading on the Ten Commandments had 50 pages of information about where all this commandment goes and how we are to apply it. I'm not going to try to preach a 50-page sermon. Promise that. But in the things the two highlight, one of the things that I find most interesting and I think starts getting us into an important part of where I want to go with this is the idea that this is a commandment. And think about that for just a moment. How crazy is it that in a fallen world, God has to command you rest, take time off. And furthermore, how revealing is it in our broken state that often in hearing even that commandment with all of the other commandments, our response is, what? God, why are you trying to control my life? Why are you trying to manipulate me? And why do I have to do that? We come up with, we can't do that. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability. That's, that's too hard. And we actually complain about the fact that God is telling us in this commandment to rest. But that's one of the reasons why I actually love this commandment and enjoy studying it so much. Because of all of the commandments, I think it helps us to understand that all of them are given by God for our benefit. 
While yes, we often in our sinful state respond to God's commands as though they are restricting and restraining us that we don't like these things put upon us, the reality is that all of God's commandments, especially this one, are given so that we may thrive and enjoy the life that he has given to us. But as soon as I say that, and as soon as we start to think about the fourth commandment and how we obey that and how we've experienced in our lives, we have to be honest that we've struggled with this commandment throughout history. And I think we've struggled in, in two primary and opposite ways. On the one hand, in an effort to try to obey this, people have throughout time often become very legalistic about their attempts to obey the fourth commandment. The fundamental heart of this commandment, as we saw in both of our texts, was that you shall not do any work. It's the command to rest. And so in an effort to obey that and understand that and do that properly, that question has been asked, well, when exactly does something become work? When do you participate in something and you cross the line from it just being something you're doing and spending your time with into something that's violating this commandment? And so Jews throughout history, especially during the time of Jesus, would, would come up with all of these definitions and boundaries that you can take so many steps on the Sabbath day before you're working. Or that you can stitch so many stitches while sewing that you can even today use certain appliances or certain objects and not use others in an effort to be very clear that you don't even get close to something that looks like work. And while the Jewish community's done that, especially in the past, many of you have had similar experiences. I know of stories that have been told about some of the rules that your family had to make sure that you were properly recognizing the Sabbath. That you could ride your bike, but not outside of the driveway. Or you could do certain things, but you had to do them inside of the house because you couldn't go outside and play for fear of what maybe the neighbors might be saying. You could do this, but, but not that. And there were these, these rules that tried to structure it. And at the heart of that, you appreciate the desire to try to take God's word ser seriously and be obedient to his commandments. But the negative side of that is a, is a couple of fold. First of all, you do start to layer on tradition above and beyond the actual commandment. And so now you're not worried about, you know, how are we obeying, not working and resting, but you're more worried, how many steps am I taking? How many stitches did I do? Did I go past the driveway too far? If the ball rolls off, do, can, I, can I go get it or not? And, and you're worried about these details, and it gets layered on, and now we're, we're legalistically worrying about other people and, and whether or not they think that we're obeying these commandments, and all of that gets layered on. Again, Jesus experienced this when he got criticized for healing people on the Sabbath or for not uh, chastising his disciples when they would pluck grain heads and, and snack on them on the Sabbath day. And then the ultimate problem of that is Sabbath then becomes a burden rather than a blessing. It's not a day to be looked forward to, a feast day, a day of celebration but instead, it's, it's a day where you just have to be bored. That's what the command is. 
Don't do anything and you'll be okay. And so that's one of the difficulties that many of us experience with this commandment. But the reality is we have to be honest that we've also experienced the exact opposite and we have to warn against that. That in the fear that any sort of regulation or ideas about what is work will become a legalistic tradition, we then say, well, do whatever you want. If it makes you happy, then you're obeying the Sabbath day. And, and don't worry about anything. And, and Sabbath rest just becomes Saturday 2.0. That if you were busy on Saturday, you can finish your chores on Sunday. That if you were wanting to do a certain activity or didn't rest enough on Saturday, take advantage of that on Sunday. Or just get engaged in all kinds of activities. And You know, as long as the kid's schedule doesn't have a game on it, yeah, you come to church, but, but don't worry about other, otherwise. And you can get to the point by when you're invited to go back to work on Monday morning, you're exhausted and you start the week tired because you never actually even rested. And you're not thinking about this and there's no obedience to it whatsoever. And, and there's the tendency, I think, that we also have kind of thrown this away almost entirely in terms of obedience. So how do we deal with that? How do we find that balance, recognizing we don't want to become legalistic, but recognizing this is a commandment, and we do have to take the day off? To fight against all of this, I think we have to go to a proper understanding of God's intentions for these, this commandment from the very beginning. Why are we called to take time off? And what does that actually look like? And to answer those questions, I want to take a look at the two texts that I chose for this morning. Uh, many of you hopefully know that when you talk about the Ten Commandments, those lists of Ten Commandments are given in two different places in Scripture. The two chapters we looked at, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And when you look at those lists, they are virtually identical in almost every way and aspect, except, notably... In the fourth commandment. That when you get to the fourth commandment, the command is the same. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But then when it gets to the reason for the commandment, there's a slight difference between the two chapters. So let's look at them both separately and understand the reason that is given in each. First of all, in Exodus chapter 20. When it gets to verse 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, but then skipping ahead, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus chapter 20, in it, we see that the justification for this commandment is found in God's creation. In his design from the beginning. And I think that teaches us a couple of things. First of all, you see, when we were created to work, as I said earlier in this sermon series, we were created to cultivate the space where we could interact with and connect with God. But as creatures, 
as was just explained to our young children, we were created with limits. We have limited strength. We have limited energy. We have limited time. And being created with those limits, God tells us that we have to take time to refresh, renew, and revive. It is necessary. But again, we have the tendency to try to push past those limits. Like little children, I don't want to go to bed yet. Why do I have to go to sleep? And then we like to act as though, and in doing so, we like to act as if the world depends on us. That if at any point we stop working, if we stop putting forth our effort, everything is going to fall apart and things aren't going to work as they are supposed to. And so we can't stop. And Sabbath rest reminds us that that is not true. Sabbath rest reminds us that this is not our world. That while we are called to work in it, we are not in charge of this world. And that the sun will rise and set, the seasons will change, the seeds will germinate and grow and bear fruit. And while we cultivate that, we can do nothing in our strength to contribute to that or to take away from it. Because God is the one who is in charge of all things. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of this world, not us. And so we can rest in the knowledge that he will carry forth his creation. And he doesn't need our help. But also think about this. The command says, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now that teaches us also something about work and rest. Because the question is, well, why did God rest? Was he tired and exhausted from all of the, the work of creation? But I, if he's all-powerful, how can God ever become tired? And he was not tired. He didn't rest because he needed to regain his strength, having poured out all of this energy. Instead, he rested to enjoy the fruit of his creation. That at the end of all that he made, he took the day to stand back and look at what he had created and said, this is good. And so his time of resting was a time to appreciate, to pause, to celebrate the work that had been done. And it's the very same for us. When we just keep going and keep going, running from one activity to the next without pausing, we don't ever take that moment to say, wow, look at what we have been able to accomplish. Or am I doing what God is calling me to do? Am I spending my time where it ought to be spent and reflect on the work that we have been doing, celebrating what it is good and evaluating what may need to be changed? And that's an, another important part of not working. Again, we do need to be recharged, but that's not what the whole point of this is. The point is making sure that you are taking this moment to reorient your life. To pause and appreciate the things that you have labored for. To not just go from task to task without thinking. 
but to evaluate and, and be invited into a pause to look at what we have done, celebrating how God is using us and appreciating the work that we have done. Because God is the creator, we have permission to rest, to stop and to enjoy and praise him for what he is up to. Now, that's according to Exodus chapter 20, but when we move to Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, the motive for the commandment changes. Here's what that text says. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Here, the motivation for not working is to remember the fact that God was the one who had set them free from slavery in Egypt. And your motivation is his redemption of us. As slaves in Egypt, they had to do what the Egyptians told them to do. They had to work as hard as they were in demanded to work. They had to do everything that their slave masters told them to do. And if they failed, they would be beaten and brutalized. But in the Exodus, God had set them free from that enslavement. And he was their master now. And as their master, as their Lord, he was changing the schedule. They were no longer to be slaves. And they shouldn't act as if they were. How much do we need to hear that today? How often does it feel like our work owns us and is controlling us? And how much more has God set us free in Jesus Christ. More than one of the commentaries that are read in this commandment stressed the fact and tried to be very clear that the Sabbath day and the command of it was not simply just to take a day off, but it was a commandment to rest in the presence of God and the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the commandment was to prepare ourselves for the eternal spiritual rest we look forward to in glory with him. And in the last sermon that I preached on this, I said how of all of the things that we have to do to make sure that we want in life, we have to work, the one exception that I claimed to that was our salvation. That was something we could do nothing about and could not earn. And the scriptures tell us that now through Jesus Christ, we have been bought with a price. We are no longer enslaved to our sin. We are no longer enslaved to our work and our labor. We belong to him, body and soul, in life and in death. He is our Lord, our master. And he's changed the schedule. All of the work that needs to be done to improving and restoring our relationship with our heavenly father was done through his sacrifice, death, and resurrection. And now we can rest in the knowledge that we belong to God. That life is not about your work and your identity is not found in your ability to prove yourselves worthy, to prove yourself productive, to prove yourself as earning a place on this planet. But our identity is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And the purpose of taking this day off is to remember that truth. To reorient your life, not around the demands of the day-to-day needs of your employer or employees, but to reorient your life around the fact that you are a redeemed child of God. Christ has redeemed us and reclaimed us by his blood. We belong to him and are not enslaved any longer. So how do we do that practically? What what does that actually look like? And again, this is a whole nother area where you could go down a whole lot of different things and you can start getting into the legalistic obligations and the do's and the don'ts. But let me just highlight two things that I think would help us to keep the Sabbath as commanded by God. First and foremost, we use our rest for worship. The text in both Deuteronomy and Exodus say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. To keep it holy means set apart for the purpose and use of God. And that's why every Lord's Day we gather in this place to worship and praise our God, to reorient ourselves around the reminder of who our God is, who we are, and who we are called to be as his children, beloved and redeemed by Christ. And so we come to this place in order to do exactly that, to worship and praise our God in this community and remind ourselves of what is most important in life and who we truly are. And so coming to worship is a critical part of our Sabbath observance. And I know a lot of people say, well, I can't. It's so hard. Uh, There are seasons when things have to get done and I I can't rest. I'm sure God will understand. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the sermon later, check the box, I'm done, and then I can do everything else. But as I was recently encouraged by uh, an older member of our congregation, he quoted his father as having said, uh, you prepare for Sunday on Monday. And that was a wonderful philosophy for him growing up and an encouragement to me having heard it, that We prepare ourselves to ensure that as best as possible, we prioritize this time. Again, the principle being that our day of rest is to reorient ourselves on what is most important. And what is most important is growing in our relationship with the Lord and reminding ourselves of what he has done in Jesus Christ. And being here is a critical part of that. So use your rest as an opportunity to develop your relationship with the Lord, keeping the day holy. But secondly, rest. Do something different. If the day is about reorienting yourself, then spend time in relationship with family members, talking with them, enjoying life together, playing games. Get connected to God by going outside and enjoying his creation, walking in his nature and praising him for the world that he has made. And maybe spend less time, not only not at work, but less time in front of screens and just distractions that normally fill up your day. 
but use this as the gift that it is to reconnect not only with God, but with your family and with your neighbor and with the world that God has placed you in. Those, I think, are a couple of ways that if we do that can really help us rest in the presence of our God. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said while on this earth, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's what Sabbath rest is all about. That is how having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ changes our relationship with work. It reminds us that we were created with limits, but more importantly, created in this world to recognize and praise God for what he is doing, the one who is in control of all things. And then we were redeemed in Jesus Christ. And knowing that our most important identity is as believers and followers of him, we are no longer enslaved to our labor, but we live in service to our king. And that's the encouragement that I give to all of you, even this very day, that the rest of your hours in this day would be able to rest in the presence and the finished work of God through Jesus Christ. Toward that end, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we are such sinners that at times we feel as though taking days and coming to worship is a burden where we have to do things and not allowed to do things that we want to do. Forgive us when we've erred in our understanding of what this day is all about. But also forgive us when we've not rested properly, when we've uh, neglected developing a relationship with you where we thought this was more a day about us than it is about our relationship and our walk with you and with others. And I pray, Lord, in gratitude for the gift of this day, how you give us this time to rest in your finished work, to know that you are the one who is in charge of all and not us. So help us to take time to be refreshed, not only in our, spirit, in our bodies, but more importantly in our spirits, in our walk with you. May we use the gift of time off so that we can better serve you and better grow in our walk with you. All this we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.